Do you ever wonder if we're living in the end times? In Dr. Jeremiah's book, Where Do We Go From Here? He examines what Bible prophecy reveals about 10 phenomena happening in our world today. Order your copy this month, and if you give $75 or more, you'll also receive Dr. Jeremiah's entire teaching series on CD or DVD, correlating study guide, and his interview special on DVD. Order now at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. Welcome to Turning Point. David is among the greatest men who ever lived. Described as a man after God's own heart, today Dr. David Jeremiah begins the series The Tender Warrior to reveal the heart within this heroic figure. What can you learn from David's storied adventures, his vibrant faith, and his deep flaws? Listen as Dr. Jeremiah shares today's message, Introduction to David. And thank you for joining us today for uh, the beginning of this new series we have called The Tender Warrior, The Life of David. This is one of my favorite studies because the life of David is so filled with intrigue and there are so many spiritual lessons to learn by following this man. One thing you realize is that good people are not perfect people. Was David a good man? In many respects, he was. But was he perfect? Far from it. In fact, some of the things that are recorded of David's activities are um, hard almost to overcome when you read the rest of the story. But David teaches us a lot. A great musician, a great leader, a handsome man, a man for all seasons. Today, the introduction to David. In just a moment, we'll begin. But first, let me remind you that during this month, we're going to do something that's very Davidic. We're going to focus on the Psalms and the Proverbs uh, during this month by making available to you one of my favorite resources of all time. It's called The Focused Life, and it's a beautiful leather-covered book that helps you to read through the Psalms and the Proverbs every single month. By reading five psalms and one proverb, you can read through those two books every month, and oh, what a difference it will make in your life. Uh, this book is its easy for you to read. It's a beautiful um, volume to carry with you. Um, it's four by six in size, and this book we've called The Focused Life because it focuses your attention on the psalms and the proverbs. I hope you'll join me in reading through the Psalms and the Proverbs. You can do it in a month with this little book. We'd love to send this to you as our way of saying thank you for your gift at Turning Point during the month of June. This is one of our best resources, and don't wait too long to get your copy, The Focused Life, for a gift of any size during the month of June. Ask for it when you send your gift today. All right, here's the first chapter from The Life of David. Now, I want to do something a bit unusual in order to illustrate the importance of this man's life. And I'm going to ask you to help me by responding when I ask you to respond. And don't argue with me, will you? When I tell you to stand up, stand up, and we'll argue about it later. Uh, but here's what I'd like for you to do. First of all, I would like everybody here today whose name is David. I have that wonderful name. I'd like to find out who my my brothers are with the name David. Would you all stand, please? Are there any Davids here? Well, bless you. Now, you just don't sit down. Stay standing, all right? Question number two. How many of you have a David in your immediate family, father, brother, or son? 
Some of you seated next to those who are standing ought to be standing. If you have a David in your immediate family, will you stand up? All right. That's good. Question number three. How many of you have a David in your life? Grandson, grandfather, boyfriend, very special friend, would you stand up? No wonder the personalized stickers are always gone. You know, I've noticed that. Well, thank you. You may be seated. Whether you know it or not, by virtue of your standing in response to those questions, you have identified yourself in a very significant and unique way with the man whose life we are about to study. For it is historically accurate to say that until David, the man we now know as David in the Old Testament, came along, we have no record in all of the history of biblical literature nor in any secular literature that I can find that anybody else was ever named by that name. There is no other person in the Bible by the name of David. When David was born to Jesse and his wife, they selected a unique name. They called him David, which means beloved. It tells us a great deal about David's parents, Jesse and his wife, to know that after they had had seven boys, they had an eighth boy and they called him beloved. You have to know something about them when you understand that. But that name, which was so unique in that day, has now become a household word. And when I made the comment about the stickers, I wasn't kidding. We have in our family a David and a Jennifer, and both of those stickers are always gone. When you go to find the personalized things that they have in the little curio shops, there are never any of those there because they're such popular names. We have taken a name that God preserved uniquely for one man, and we've made it one of our most beloved names, David the Beloved. It is not an overstatement for me to say that the uniqueness of David's name in his time is symbolic of the uniqueness of his person. He was the central figure of the Old Testament and one of the greatest men to ever have lived. As we begin our series on his life today, let's explore some of the reasons for his greatness, some of the things that suggest the greatness of David. The first thing I would like to suggest to you is the context of David. David was great because of the time in which he lived. You know, some people are born to greatness because they are born at the right time. I doubt if we would know as much about Abraham Lincoln as we know today had he not been born during the great controversy over slavery and had been used in his leadership to emancipate the slaves. We probably would not know as much about Martin Luther King had he not been born in the turbulent times when he led during the 60s and the tremendous revolution in our country. Oftentimes the greatness of an individual is predicated upon the context of his life, the time in which he was born. And surely it would be true for us to say today that David was born for an important time in the history of his nation. For five centuries before David, the nation of Israel had been in decline. The last great leader to have led the nation was the man Joshua. 
But Joshua has died. And the second chapter of the book of Judges tells us that when Joshua died and the elders of his generation died, there grew up a generation that knew not the Lord nor any of his works. And the nation fell into great decline. Vicious oppressors rose up to torment the nation, and hunger and famine made her a constant a nation of distress. And whenever the suffering was the worst, the people would cry out to the Lord, and he would raise up a judge or a deliverer to help them out of their trouble. Sometimes these judges were good men, like Gideon or Samuel. Sometimes the judges were unstable men, like Samson. But always there was a man, and when the nation cried out to God, God provided them with a judge to deliver them from their stress. Samuel was the last of the judges, and during his reign, the people revolted against God. And they were tired of the judges that God had provided. And looking around at all of the other nations that they observed, they decided that they were sick and tired of judges, and they wanted a king. And you will find... What happened as the result of that in 1 Samuel chapter 8? Just turn back a few chapters in the book. And you will notice that in the fifth verse of the eighth chapter, the scripture says that they said, Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. And the next chapters in 1 Samuel tell us about the anointing of King Saul to be the king that the people of Israel wanted so they could be like the other nations. And the ninth chapter of 1 Samuel and the second verse tells us about the choice the Lord made for their king. And behold, his name was Saul, a choice young man and a goodly. And there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. From his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the people. Another way to say he was head and shoulders in his stature above all the people of Israel. He was the tallest man in Israel. And apparently quite a physical specimen and quite a unique and handsome individual. But uh, Saul, who was one of the most likely candidates for success, because he was gifted and because he had all of these physical attributes, was a leader who, instead of becoming a national hero, started out well, but ended his short reign in rejection and in defeat. If you study his life, you will discover that Saul angered the Lord because he took to himself the role of prophet and priest and offered a sacrifice that he should never have offered. And then when God told him to go and obliterate a nation and especially Amalek the king, Saul went out and he only partially obeyed the Lord. And then he lied to Samuel about his partial obedience. And finally, God had had enough of Saul and his leadership and his disobedience and so he canceled him out of his plans and we read in first samuel 15:23 that god finally having had enough of saul said for rebellion is as the sin of iniquity 
of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Then speaking to Saul, God said, Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he also hath rejected thee from being king. The last days of Saul's reign are described in the sad words of the end of the 15th chapter, especially verse 35. Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king from among his sons. Now that's the context of David. After five centuries of total, absolute decline in the nation, after a wicked king who did not honor the Lord, when the nation was in great need of new leadership, just as in the past when Israel needed a leader, God had a leader. And just as in the future when Israel needed a leader, God had provided one. Just as Moses, who was hiding among his father-in-law's sheep when a leader was needed to take the people out of Egypt, so God had David hiding among his father's sheep on the hillside of Bethlehem, just ready to pluck him out of that environment and set him in the place of leadership over the nation. David came to leadership in the context of great and dire need among his people. And that's often the way it is, isn't it? When there is a need, God raises up a man. Let me speak to you for just a moment, not only about the context of his life historically, but let me talk to you for just a moment about the context of his life personally. From what kind of family does a leader like David come? Well, as we study the text carefully, we discover that his family was not wealthy. There is no evidence that his father, Jesse, had any servants. And when we are introduced to him, we find that his youngest son is out taking care of the sheep, a job normally given to the servants of the household. When Jesse sends a gift to King Saul by way of David, he sends a very simple peasant gift, not one that would betray wealth on behalf of the donor. And it is quite evident that in David's family, he did not hold a place of very high esteem. When Samuel comes to anoint David, he first of all inspects the rest of the sons, starting with Eliab, the oldest. And after he has gone through the first seven sons and he still hasn't had the inner voice speak to him and say, this is the one who's to be king, Samuel turns to Jesse and he says, is that all there is? And Jesse says, well, wait, wait a minute, there's one more. <laughs> He's out taking care of the sheep. And you get the impression that David wasn't very important in the family. He was almost an afterthought with his father. You know, no matter what you may say about the way the family treated David, David treated his family right. I'm overwhelmed as I read his story and discover how tender he was toward his father. And even though we don't have his mother's name, she is mentioned by two occasions, and we know who she is by virtue of the occasions David mentions her. Later on in the story, there's an occasion when David is being hunted by Saul as a refugee. 
And he begins to worry that because they're after him, they may come and hurt his parents. And the story is that he went to his parents and he took them to the king of Moab, who he had to befriended, and asked the king to take care of his mother and father until the turmoil was over because he loved them so much. And when David was in exile, running from Saul and hiding in caves with his band of renegades around him, protecting him, on one occasion he spoke kind of off the record. He said, you know, I'd give anything if I could just have a glass of water from the well in Bethlehem from which I used to drink as a boy. And one of his brave men took that as a challenge and decided he would please his commander. And he fought through the lines to the well of Bethlehem and he brought David a glass of cold water from the well which reminded him of the place where he had grown up. David's family was important to him. David's home life was key. Even though we cannot see that he was wonderfully accorded a place of blessing, his home life was important. Let me suggest thirdly the context of David's life biblically, historically, and personally, and biblically. David is a very important person in the total context of the Bible. He is mentioned more in the New Testament than any other person, 56 times. If you read the New Testament, you will find his name 16 times in Matthew, 7 times in Mark, 13 times in Luke, 2 times in John, 11 times in Acts, 3 times in Romans, once in 2 Timothy, twice in Hebrews, and 3 times in the book of Revelation. Every time you turn around, David is being referenced in the New Testament Scripture. In fact, if you were looking for the man of the Bible who has the most complete biography, David is that man. Whereas Abraham is important, only 14 chapters in the Bible are given to tell the story of Abraham's life. In David's life, 62 chapters of the Word of God are devoted to the story of this man because his life is so central and so important. David is a man of greatness because of the context of his life, historically, personally, and biblically. But secondly, David is a man of greatness because of the charisma of his life. David was a charismatic, in the Bible sense of the word. What I mean by that is, it wasn't his denomination, it wasn't his religion, it was his personality. He was a charismatic person. We know from reading the story that he wasn't a big man. His brother Eliab was a lot bigger than he was. But he was strong and he was athletic. He had quick feet. He could jump over a wall or he could outrun an entire army. He was so strong he could take an iron bar and break it. And the stone which he threw at Goliath from his sling was thrown with such accuracy and with such force there was no follow-up work necessary. David was too small to get into Saul's armor, but he was powerful enough to kill a bear and a lion with his own hands. Physically, David was quite a specimen. In fact, if you have your Bibles open to the 16th chapter, you will notice in the 12th verse that he's described for us to some degree. We learn that he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. Now, that's not very much, but it tells us enough to know something about David. He was ruddy. Uh, the Berkeley version of the Bible says it this way. He had a ruddy complexion, sparkling eyes, and a handsome appearance. He was a fair complexion, and many scholars believe that David was blessed with unusual hair, golden or reddish in color. 
which set him apart from his Jewish family and from his Jewish friends. When you saw David, there was something just striking about him. He was so different that some scholars have tried to make him an illegitimate son of his mother because they say he could not have been Jewish based upon the way he appeared. I have in my study the statue of David, the famous statue of David uh, in uh, simulated marble. And I've been studying that this week, seeing if I can pick up any of these features that I've been reading about in the Bible. David was a handsome man. In fact, when the scripture says that he had a beautiful countenance, literally the Hebrew there means he had large and liquid eyes. Can you get into that description? Here is this young and strong and athletic young man with beautiful hair, and he had unusually big and liquid eyes. And he was a charmer. 1 Samuel 16 and verse 18, uh, he's introduced to Saul. And notice what it says about him in the 18th verse. Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning in playing, a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a beautiful person. And the Lord is with him. What a description. So David was a man of physical charisma. And then he was a man of personal charisma. His personality was just something else. David is the man in the Bible with whom it is easy for all of us to identify because nobody in the Bible touches on life at so many places as did David. And some of these things that happen in David's life, uh, he goes from one to the other so quickly you can't catch a breath. He's an exile one moment, and the next moment he's the king. He's a soldier one moment, and the next moment he's playing his harp. And you try to follow David, and the magnetism of his personality is overwhelming. He charges Goliath with youthful and daring courage. And he leads a wild band of outlaws with wise counsel. He moves with lightning quickness. He's gentle and he's bold. And you try to figure out David. He's just, he's just charismatic. He was a charmer with the women after he killed Goliath. He made the number one song on the hit parade in Israel. You know what it was? I know it's in the Bible. He was number one hit parade song, and David was the object of it. And here's what the song said. Saul has killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. That was number one in Israel for many weeks. Why? Because he captured the heart of the people. Here's this young, attractive, handsome, athletic, creative man who's also a mighty warrior. The daughter of Saul, Michael. She wasn't even asked. She just confessed she was in love with him. And Jonathan, Saul's son, he was David's best friend. And the Bible says they were knit together with a close relationship of friendship. The king of the Philistines one time said of David, he's as good in my sight as an angel of God. And I could go on to tell you all these things about the charm and charisma of David, but we'll get into that as we move through the series. He has... Equal ability with the shepherd's staff as he does with the sling. He deals with the scepter of the king uh, with the same comfortable way in which he deals with the lyre or the harp that he plays musically. David was a man of great charisma. I think I ought to also tell you that he was a man of national charisma. Physical, personal, and national if you have your Bibles open to 1 Samuel, turn to the 18th chapter and notice verse 16. Here's a good summary statement of the way the people felt about David. 
And all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. He was loved by everybody. David embodied the entire life of Israel. One man that I read this week by the name of Hastings pointed out that David stood for everything in the nation that was important. As the shepherd, he represented the working class. As the musician, he spoke as the musician for all of the nation. As the poet, he was the poet laureate, and the Psalms are named after him. As the king, he represented leadership within the nation. As the soldier, he represented the warfaring man. Go on through David's life, and you will see that he's a representative man, a man for all seasons. The people loved him because they so identified with him. Well, as I said uh, earlier, David was a man for all seasons, and wherever you are in your life, whatever's going on in your life, if you stay with David long enough, you'll find some way to connect with him because he lived life at the fullest, and his life is filled with adventure, intrigue, um, some sin, but an awful lot of love for God and a man forgiven who became a great leader in his country. More about the beginning of this study tomorrow here on Turning Point. Before we uh, get out of here today, let me remind you that you can get a copy of The Focused Life, a daily devotional, 31 days reading through Psalms and Proverbs in a beautiful leather-covered edition. When you get it, it's just self-explanatory. Just do one section at a time. You read five Psalms and one chapter in Proverbs, and you'll get through both of those in one month. Simply ask for it when you send your gift to Turning Point today. And then don't forget, folks, we're going to Israel in 2024, March the 12th through the 22nd. Many, many people are responding to that. We've just gotten the PR stuff ready. So if you're planning to go with us, I hope you'll inquire at davidjeremiah.org. And we'll see you right here tomorrow. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The Tender Warrior, please visit our website. There you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of The Focus Life, a month of daily readings from Psalms and Proverbs in a beautiful leather-bound book. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get all the details when you visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The Tender Warrior, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. The book of Revelation is filled with mystery, prophecy, and numbers. In fact, the number seven is mentioned 54 times. Dr. David Jeremiah helps us understand these sevens in the Revelation 7 Study Handbook and Seven Praises Bookmark, yours this month for a gift of any amount. And when you give a gift of $60 or more, you'll gain a clearer understanding with the Seven Churches of Revelation Study Set, which includes a CD or DVD album and study guide. Go to davidjeremiah.ca to learn more. For more than 40 years, Dr. David Jeremiah has faithfully preached God's Word. 
And as the world changes, how the message is delivered expands. Turning Point Plus was created as the next step in our digital broadcast ministry. And it's available instantly when you sign up to support Turning Point with an automatic monthly gift of any amount. Learn more and access more than 12,000 audio and video messages at turningpointplus.org. Johann von Goethe was a 19th century German writer and philosopher who made a profound observation about love. He said, we are shaped and fashioned by what we love. The more of ourselves we invest in a person or thing, the more we will become like the object of our love. The Apostle John wrote something very similar. We know that when Christ is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. That goes along with what Paul wrote, that God is conforming those who love Christ into His image. To love Him is to become like Him. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover the reasons to love God on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.